Father, and I thank you. Now for the next, the Lord, 30 minutes, anoint my mouth and let this word lodge deep in our hearts. And everybody say amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to take my thoughts from the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and James chapter 2. Should come up on the screen. Here is Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, Paul writes the book of Ephesians, and this is what Paul is saying. But then I want to go to James chapter 2, and that's going to come up on the screen. And we're going to look at James 2, and I believe it is 18. Now, James is a half-brother of Jesus, and this is what he writes. But someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. So now Paul is saying one thing and James is saying another. James comes along and says this, it's not just faith, but it's faith and it's works. What are they talking about? Well, James and Paul are really talking about two different things. Paul, when he addressed the Ephesians, was really addressing a matter of legalism. Because one group was saying you can't be saved unless you adhere to the Mosaic law and some other things under the law. So he was addressing one group. James is coming now. He's addressing a different group. And he's not addressing legalism. He is addressing indifference. The people were being lazy and the people were saying that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you believe. So Paul and James are not contradicting one another. They're actually complimenting one another when you understand the context. Paul was saying it's not the works of the law that saves you. It's grace that saves you. And then James was coming and saying, you can't just do any old thing and expect to be saved. If you're saved, you're going to show your salvation by what you do for the Lord. So they're really fighting two different causes. When Paul uses the word works, he's talking about the Jewish customs like circumcision. He's saying, listen, Judaizers. Judaizers, you do not have to be circumcised to be saved. You're saved by grace. And then James is coming along and he's talking about works. But what he's doing is he's talking about a lifestyle as a Christian. So Paul is focusing on the roots of salvation, meaning what happens to me internally. And then James is coming along and talking about the fruits of salvation, what happens to me outside when I'm saved. So I'm just here to tell you, we don't just need works, we need faith. We don't just need faith, we need works. We don't need just grace, we need truth. We don't need just truth, we need grace. We don't need just proclamation of the gospel, we need the demonstration of the gospel. We don't need just systems, we need, we need spirit. We don't need just to love God. Oh, I love God. I love God. We need to love people. We need both. Everybody say both. Both. So Jesus says this, by your fruits, they will know you. Not by anything else, but by your fruits. Everybody say fruits. Fruits, you will know them. So Paul is talking about how to know you're a Christian. How do I know I'm a Christian? Well, I know that I'm a Christian and he, I can't go into that, but that's what he's talking about. And then James is talking about how to show. Everybody say show. Show you're a Christian. So Paul is talking about how to become a believer. And James is talking about how to behave like a believer. Did you get it? So it's not a contradiction. Now look at Ephesians 2 and 8 again. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Then it goes to verse 10. It says, for a life of good works that God has already prepared for us to do. This is what I want to get into your spirit. God has gifted you. 
God has purposed you and prepared you. You saw a gift at work tonight in Sister Nelwyn. He prepared that for her before she was ever born and ordained her to do what she's called to do. But just as she's called to do something, you're called and I'm called and we're all called to give our gifts to other people. Okay. Can I get a witness? Okay. So. We're saved by grace, but now how do I show that I'm a believer? Well, there's some ways that we can show it. Here it is. One, number one, real faith is not just something we say. Look at James 2 and 14. What good is it, my brother, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? A Gallup post says there are 50 million Americans that say I'm born again, but produce very little substance of Christ in their life. Did you know that now the divorce rate in the Christian world is just as high as the divorce rate in the secular world? Do you know that now that Christians watch the same level of, of movies that the world watches? Do you know that there are so many people that are addicted to a lot of things in the church just like they are in the world. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we change overnight, but what I am saying is, is that God wants more than sin management. He wants life transformation. And I understand that we're all on a journey. I get that. But there ought to be something different in us if we call ourselves a born again believer. Can I get a witness? Some of you that are older, you may remember a guy by the name of Larry Flint. Larry Flint, back in 1978 or 79, he published a pornographic magazine called Hustler Magazine. But around 79, he claimed to have become a born again believer, a born again Christian. But if you keep looking at his life, he kept producing pornographic magazines. So brothers and sisters, here's what I'm saying. It don't matter how much you say you're born again. If your lifestyle doesn't change, there's a contradiction. Because God does something on the inside and something shows up on the outside that says I'm different than the way that I used to be. James is saying this, that real faith is not just something you say. Real faith is not just something we feel. We can go to church and we can get a quiver in our liver. We can feel goosebumps. But if it never makes any difference in our life, then what good is it doing? I, I like, and I've told you this before, I like what Brother Glenn has, has said. It's a, it's a change of mind that produces a change of heart that produces a change of behavior. That's what repentance is. Look at James 2 and 15. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? If after church tonight, you happen to go, and I hope this doesn't happen to anyone, but if after church you go and you happen to slam some of your fingers in the door, and I come out there and I say, hey, what's going on? And you lift up, your hand and three of your fingers are smashed and blood is running down your hand. And I look at you and say, well, God bless you. Seriously. Well, God bless you. Is that doing you any good? No, it's not. I ought to be coming in here and probably getting brother Johnny or somebody that's a nurse and say, look, man, we got an issue here. Our sister, our brother needs help. This is what James is saying. Real faith gets involved with people. Here's what I mean by that. If you think, man, I want to be a doctor. I think I want to be a doctor. That's a noble profession. But if you don't want to get blood on you and you don't want to be around sick people, you may want to reconsider. If you think you want to be an elementary teacher, man, I want to be an elementary teacher, but you don't want to have to deal with bad kids and snotty noses. You might want to decide to do something a little different. 
Can, can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that, that ministry is messy? I'm going to say it again. Ministry is messy. One leader said it like this. We can have control or we can have growth, but we can't have both. Some believers, here's what they're saying. Well, you know, I love Jesus. I just can't handle people with tattoos. Huh. I'm going to tell you something. You're not having revival in your church if you don't have any ink in your church. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it one more time. You're not having revival in your church if you don't have some ink in your church. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to go get inked up. It just means that for those that are inked up, we love them. Come on, somebody. Well, you know, I I love people, but man, I struggle with people who's got addictions. I'm going to tell you something. There's something in your closet somewhere. You hadn't been a perfect person. I'm going to just tell all of us, if all of our sins got up on this screen, ain't none of us want to stay in this room. We'd all want to walk out with our head ducked down. There's been ways we could have said it better, done it better, not done that, done this. Y'all know I'm telling the truth. But it's so amazing to me how that we want to point somebody else's sin out because it's not ours. We don't struggle with that. You know, if, if you don't struggle with something, then my God, I can't believe they do that. But now if you struggle with that, it's like, back off, pastor. Now be gentle with me. Leave me alone. It was, let's pet this little thing, right? Isn't that amazing? Come on, somebody. You know, I, 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 I love Jesus. I just can't handle people that vote differently than me. Or I love Jesus. I just can't handle people that their skin's different than mine. What are you saying? I'm saying that when we love Jesus, they come in all sizes, shapes, and colors. They come messy. They come tatted up. They come with addictions. They come with religious spirits. They come with gossip. Come on, somebody. And we have to understand that Jesus loves people we don't like that looks different than us. But that's how we show our faith is we get beyond our own human preferences. Can I preach tonight? Can I talk to you from my heart? James is saying that real faith gets involved with people. I'm going to tell you again. I don't approve of certain lifestyles, but I'm going to love the sinner and hate the sin. People of different lifestyles are welcome here. The only place they're going to find deliverance is not in a counselor's couch. They're going to need the power of Jesus to break those chains. That's why we got to make sure every Sunday counts. Somebody walks in this Sunday may need deliverance from a lifestyle that they can't get rid of on their own. It don't happen with three points and a point and, and sermonettes for Christianettes. It happens when the power of God fills this house and chains are broken and lives are transformed. Can I get a witness here tonight? Hallelujah. That's why I'm talking to this core. I'm talking to men and women who are the core of this church. You know how to pray. And we can't have cute church. We got to have powerful church. We got to have a move in the demonstration of the spirit. And we got to all find a place to be on our knees before every service and say, God, if you can use anything, you can use me. Now, ministry would not be as messy if we lived in a leave it to be a world or little house on the prairie. But that world no longer exists, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's not a world we live in. If we're going to reach this region, we're going to have to reach with people that's got tattoos, people that don't look like us, vote like us. I need some more amens in this house. People that struggle with things. Why? Because real faith gets involved with people. Remember this, Jesus values relationships over rules. And it's not that rules are not important. We all need boundaries. But Jesus would always be willing to break a rule to reach a person. Say, what do you mean? Well, he had healed on the Sabbath when the Pharisees didn't like it. Come on, somebody. Jesus values people over personal preferences. 
You know what? You may have to endure some songs you don't like or some music you don't like because it's not about my preference. You're the pastor, so what? I don't tell them every song to sing. You don't? No, I don't. There are some preferences that I would probably do a little different. But you know what? It's not about my preferences. It's about people. I'm not here to try to dictate my preferences. Let's reach people. Come on, somebody. Jesus was not about self. Jesus was about serving others. Jesus is not about money. Jesus is about the mission. This is why we build buildings. This is why we invest in instruments. This is why we invest in pews. And this is why we invest in other things. Why? Because we, we are investing in that in order to reach people. Because Jesus' mission was this. I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Can I get a witness? When we're talking about what is real faith, real faith gets involved with people. See, what we value determines what we do. It's not on the screen, but I'm going to say it again. What we value determines what we do. We value people. So we're going to do everything in our power except sin to reach them. Because if we value real faith, then guess what? We're going to get involved with people. Here's what 1 John 3 and 17 says. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Real faith is more than just something we think. See, James is laying it on the line here and he says, do you want real faith? Then it's more than just something we say and it's more than something we feel. Real faith is more than just something we think. Look at James 2 and 18. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. In other words, real faith, ladies and gentlemen, is visible. We can see it. Someone said it like this, and I like this. Faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can surely see the results. Can I say it again? Faith is like calories. You can't see them, but you can surely see the results. If I said to all of you, I believe that my health is very important. And then you said back to me, okay, do you eat right? And my answer is no. You believe your health is very important, Pastor? Yes. Do you exercise? And I said no. You asked me again, do you believe your health is important? I said yes. And then you asked me the question, do you get proper rest? Do you take vitamins? Do you ever go for a checkup? And my answer is no, no, no. Then guess what? It doesn't matter what I say. Because my actions are proven that my health is not important. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, what matters is our actions. I'm fixing to drop something on you. You ready? Have you ever heard? I don't, I don't talk to anyone about the Lord because my life is a witness. Think about the ego that's involved in that statement. Well, I don't talk, I don't talk about the Lord because I just let my life be a witness. In other words, you would never say this, but here's what you're saying. You're saying that I've attained such a level of perfection that people automatically look down at my life. They fall down. They repent and get saved just by looking at me. Now I'm going to say this again because I need to rewind that. I've heard people tell me, well, you know, I just let my light shine. I don't say anything because I don't want to offend anybody. I don't say nothing. I'm going to tell you something. You're lying to yourself, and that's an excuse. Because I'm going I'm to tell you what you're really saying, but you've never said that to yourself. What you've just said is, is I'm so perfect that when people look at my life, that's all they need to see. They fall down, they repent, they get saved, and their life is transformed. And I'm going to tell you something that even Jesus had to tell people. He looked at Nicodemus and said, you must be born again. And Jesus was perfect and he had to tell him. So don't think that that's going to 
Brothers and sisters, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but what I'm telling you is, is we're telling ourselves some lies. We're believing some lies that says if I'm just a good person and I just come to church and I pay my tithes and I check off the boxes that I'm doing, I'm doing enough. And I'm here to tell you that real faith is more than just what you feel. It's more than just what you think. Real faith gets involved with people. Real faith is not something we just say. It's not something we feel. It's not something we just think. Real faith is not just something we believe. Can I keep preaching? Say, what do you mean by that? Look at, look at James 2 and 19. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the devil believes that and shudders. What are you saying? I'm saying this. The Bible says in Proverbs, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. It's foolish to be an atheist and the devil is no fool. Even the devil believes in God. But that doesn't mean he's saved. This means he's not a fool. Come on, somebody. James says, if we believe in God, that's good, but that's not enough. Real faith is not just saying, I believe. Or I'm a Christian. Or I have a bumper sticker. Or I wear a wristband. Real faith is not even, you know, just professing that you are a Christian. If I were to ask somebody, do you attend church? No. Do you donate your time? No. Do you serve others? No. Do you tithe? No. Do you witness? No. Then guess what? It don't matter what you call yourself. You're not really a Christian. Because your actions are not backing up what you say. Brothers and sisters, I'm not trying to be hard on any of us, but we're calming ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. And our world is lost and desperately needs the light. They need us to be a witness. They need us to show our faith. But it's easier sometimes to throw $100 at a problem and say, I did something, than get involved in three hours of your time serving others and giving your life away. Let me wrap this up. Number five, real faith is something we do. It's something we do. And James gives two illustrations of real faith. You can see this in James chapter two. I believe it is around 19. He gives two illustrations. He said one is Abraham and the other is Rahab. And they're both extremely different. Ahab is a patriarch. Uh, pardon me. Uh, Abraham is a patriarch. He's Jewish. He's a male. And Rahab is a Gentile. She's a prostitute. But James uses both of them. Why? Because what he is saying is, is that Abraham and Rahab are two very different people. But he uses them because he's saying that no matter who you are, as long as you've got the important thing. What's that? The important thing is that their faith in God led them to action. Both Abraham and and Rahab the harlot. What, What do you mean by that? Well, you know the ultimate test in Genesis. God said, if you love me, I want you to offer up your son. What did Abraham do? He took him up the mountain. He got the wood. He built the fire. He was ready to sacrifice his son until the angel said, stop. What did Rahab do? She hid the spies at the risk of her own life. What is James saying? Two very different people, but they did the same thing. And that is they put actions with their faith and they proved by their actions that they love God. If you look at this, if you look at this story, God had already called Abraham righteous before he was ever willing to lay Isaac on the altar. In other words, Abraham was already a believer. So it's not that he became a believer when he did this work. He was only showing that he was a believer by being totally committed to God. 
Here's what I want to talk to the veterans tonight. We ought to be worshiping and we ought to be giving, not because we have fear or guilt, but because we feel we owe him our life. And where would we be? So my acts of service is not trying to, you know, get get brownie points. My acts of service are a reflection of my heart and gratitude to a great big God. Did that just make sense? Okay. Can I keep going? So, I want to challenge us tonight. I want to challenge the core of this church. And I want us to ask ourselves the question, how am I showing my faith by serving others? That's the question that I want you to ask. How am I showing my faith by serving others? What am I doing that shows my faith? Say, well, I love God, Brother Neelan. I I believe that you do. But the way that you show you love God is by loving people. The way that you show that you're serving God is serving people. Pastor, how can I serve? If you've got a phone, look around. Who's missing tonight? Man, TPC's not the same without you. Here's somebody sick. Go over there. You don't have to have me commission you, give you a bottle of oil to go over to somebody and lay your hands on their head and say, in Jesus' name, I curse sickness. I speak life into your body. These signs shall follow them that believe. Can I get a witness? Amen. What are you doing, pastor? I want us to get back to the mission of the church. And the mission of the church is more than just coming and giving your tithe and coming on a Sunday morning and saying, well, I've done, I've done what I needed to do for the week. This is not a day thing. This is a lifestyle thing. This is walking in the spirit so that God can lead you on your job, in your school, in your neighborhood. Amen. I want to challenge this church. We've got a region to reach. This ought to be a destination church where people are willing to drive 30 miles one way. Because what they feel here and what they get here and what they sense here, they're not finding it or sensing it or feeling it anywhere else. Not to elevate us, not to glorify us, but for us to glorify God. So that we can be what we are supposed to be, which are the hands and the feet of Jesus. If you agree with me, would you stand tonight and let's give God some praise in this house. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The other day, we didn't say anything about this, and I, I regret that. It was just human error. We have, an, we have an incredible ministry in this church. We've got a lot of great ministries, but one of them is our bereavement ministry. And Sister Christine Darty does a great job of serving people. Please, what I'm about to say, please don't take what I'm about to say wrong. Yesterday, as we served that family, their children, the Barry's children, doesn't, they don't come to this church. But we were serving that family for Sister Barry. Because Sister Barry comes here, her family was blessed by all of you sweet ladies serving them. Please don't take what I'm about to say wrong, but I'd much rather do a funeral for the ministry side of it than I would do a wedding for the joy side of it. 
Because people's hearts seem to be more receptive in sorrow than in joy. So what are you saying? I'm saying thank you, Sister Christine. Thank you, Sister Bankin. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, Sister Peggy, Janet, and others of you that serve this family. You know why? Because I get compliments all the time how kind this church is, how much they appreciate it. Listen, that's what we ought to be doing is showing the love of God any way we can. Another ministry, Brother Darty and the ushers, appreciate you men. Thank you. Those of you that are serving on our security team, just it's a crazy world in, in, in which we live in. Thank you for just walking around the building, just making sure doors are locked and things are secure. You have a part to play in the body of Christ. And if you and I have real faith, it's more brothers and sisters than just church attendance. And I thank you for it. But one day we're going to stand before God. We are. And God's going to ask us, did you do? Did you, did you do with what I gave you? He's not going to, he's not going to ask me to be Moses. He's not going to ask me to be Paul. He's not going to be, ask me to be the apostle Peter. He's going to ask me a question. Did you use what I gave you? And if you didn't, why didn't you? Doesn't matter how many excuses you've got, brothers and sisters. Well, I'm busy. I don't think that's going to wash with Jesus. Well, I had you, I had, I'm, I wish you the best of luck with that. But the man that didn't use his talent, God called him wicked. I'm not trying to take up your time. I'm trying to get to your heart. Jesus is coming. And we, we, need, we need everybody in their place doing what God has purposed and called you to do. I need you. The Lord needs you. And I beseech you tonight. God needs more than just a tear from your eye. He needs a change of heart. Father, I have preached the truth in love tonight. There's shut-ins that need people to go and just speak to them. Read scripture to them. Sing a song to them. God, there's so much ministry that, 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 that we need to be doing in this end time hour. Father, I ask you to help us once again to stir up the gift that is within us. I'm excited about our new building, but I can't wait on a new building. God, we got to take as many people to heaven with us as possible. We don't know the day nor the hour. Talking about real faith. What is real faith? Real faith is when I put my works into action and I get involved with people. Lord, take this word tonight and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. 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 Do you receive God's word tonight? Thank you. So the ladies are upstairs and I just told them they didn't have to come back and finish this out. Brother Aston, though, if you want to come, you want to come up to the keyboard. Thank you, Jesus. I need thee, Lord. I need you. Every hour, I need you, Lord.
just be patient with me, please. Brother Sam, would you come up, please? Would you come up here? Sister June, would you come up here, please? Sister Gwen, would you come up here, please? Would you turn face the audience? We've got some more people that I'm going to call up eventually, but these three here tonight, I just want, I want to designate them in front of you. It's just prayer elders and prayer leaders. And I know that a lot of times people come up to me after service and I'm talking and you want prayer. You can come to any three of these. They can walk up here, anoint you, pray for you, give you an anointed cloth. When you study the New Testament church, they had bishops, they had elders. They had men and women. I don't want this to bottleneck through me. If you have a need and I'm talking with someone... You go to these and just say, hey, I have a need. They're confidential. They're not going to spread your stuff on Facebook. If they do, I'll call them in the office. Because they're not. That's not who they are. These are men and women that love God. Y'all, I am hungry for a demonstration of the Spirit of God. And I keep telling you because I know it's going to happen. When the wind of the Spirit blows, I want you to just lean over and I want you to lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Whatever the Holy Spirit prays through you, you just pray it out. You speak it out in the name of the Lord Jesus. Because when you get 400 people and 500 people, one man can't touch them all. But when we're operating in our gifts and in our callings, God can do some amazing things. When it ceases to be a one-man show. Jesus. Sherry, I told you this other day, Sherry, bro, I looked and I saw Sherry laying hands on the lady. Oh, and it did my heart so good. Jerry's getting it. You say, Brother Neelan, what? What if I feel like I really got something from the Lord? You just keep praying about it. If it stays with you and it doesn't leave you, it stays with you. Then you just go up to that person and you could just say, you know what? This is what I really feel in my spirit. If it resonates with you, great. And if it doesn't, I'm sorry because I don't want to miss it, but here's what I feel. But we need the five-fold ministry. We need the gifts of the Spirit. We need prayer elders. We need saints and God that know how to get a hold of God because when Zion travails, sons and daughters will be born. I'm not trying to take up your time. I'm just wanting you to feel my heart. If the Lord tarries, how old are you, Sister June? 79. The Lord tarries another 10 years. Who's going to take up this mantle? What about Sister Groves? How old is Sister Groves now? 86. Who's going to take up that mantle? How old are you, Sister Foster? 
86. Who's going to take up that mantle? I'm not putting you ladies in the grave by no means. I'm just saying if the Lord tarries another 10 years and, you know, who's going to take up that mantle? Roxy? You're not too young. You ought to let Sister June lay hands on you and impart some things into you. Sweet people, I'm begging you. I'm literally begging you to quit thinking you got to have a PhD in theology to help people. Listen to them. Love them. Pray with them. If you don't know the answer, come to one of these. I've had people ask me questions. I look at them and say, I don't know that. But if you'll let me get back with you, I'll get back with you. I've never been called a moron or an idiot. I can't believe you're in ministry and don't know that. Nobody's ever said that to me. When I've said that, they've all said, sure, I understand. No problem. I don't know. I think I know, but I just want to make sure. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. this house if you're a believer would you lift up your hands and say God help me help me Lord help me Lord help me to walk in the fullness of who you've called me to be help me to walk in the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you've given me God don't let me believe a lie Lord I don't want to believe a lie I don't want to make a bunch of excuses why I'm not doing what I should be doing. But stir up the gift that is in me, God. Use me for your purposes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. you need prayer tonight why don't you come up and lay one let these one of these prayer elders just lay hands on you you just tell them tell them in a sentence what you need i need i need a financial blessing i need help in my home i need help in my marriage just come to them and the mighty name of jesus What do you got to hurry up and get home for? If you got to, hey, I understand it. You got to get up at four in the morning. I get it. But if you don't, why don't you just seek the Lord? I need thee. Oh, I need thee.
Somebody, you need to get back in your prayer closet. You're an intercessor. You're an intercessor. Come on, can pastor encourage you to get back in your prayer closet? Some of you are evangelists. Can pastor encourage you to use that gift of evangelism? Some of you got the gift of encouragement. Come on, real faith gets involved with people. You've got that gift of compassion. You just have compassion on people. Uh-huh. I feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in this room right now. Come on, let the Holy Spirit talk to you. Talk to us, Lord. to join I want you to be a prayer elder in this church when I call for prayer elders I want you to come up I want you to anoint people with oil and I want you to lay hands on the sick let's see them recover in Jesus mighty name it's part of what you're called to do I want you to be ready be ready every service some transfer, Lord. Sister June, lay your hands on April. Lay your hands on her head. Lay your hands on her head. Let there be a transfer tonight, God, of spiritual gifts and impartation. That's biblical. That's biblical. Being here tonight. 
anybody miss a meal on Thursday for the kingdom? Not asking you to fast all day, but you'll miss a meal. Anybody miss a meal on Thursday for the kingdom? Thank you. Will anybody miss one meal on Friday for the kingdom? One meal. Thank you for that. Thank you. Jesus' name. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I promise you, I'm not just trying to hold you. Seriously, if you got to go, understand. But if you don't have to go, why don't you just maybe sit in your pew for a minute and just, just talk to the Lord. Touch you like Jesus came. 
Tired. I think that's a wonderful thing. But as your pastor, I'm asking you don't retire spiritually. Refire. What do you mean by that? You know what? These young men, these young ladies, why don't you take that 30 years of marriage and living for God and come up alongside them and say, Now listen, I hadn't learned it all. I got a lot to learn, but here's what I have learned. I've learned what to do and I've learned what not to do. Because here's what I found out. We either learn through mistakes or mentors. And it's a lot better to learn through mentors. What are you saying? I'm saying those of you that are physically and literally retired, why don't you refire and come up alongside some of these in, in the Hope House and celebrate recovery. Oh, they don't want me. You're believing a lie. They do want you. Yes, they do. They do want you. They want you. They need a mentor in their life. I love you enough to tell you the truth in love. Some of you are believing a lie. And you're excusing yourself by saying you're not qualified or you're not this or you're not that. I hope that works for you when you get to meet Jesus. I do. I'm serious. I hope it works for you. Because it sure didn't work for the one man that had the one talent and gave him an excuse. It didn't work for him. So I hope it works better for you. Some of you are not tithing because you say it's just $10. Well, $10 don't make a difference. It's not about $10. It's about us obeying the word of God. It's not that I need your money. I don't need your money. I thank you for your giving and your tithing, but I'm not up here begging. I thank you for everything you do. What I'm trying to get you to do is to live by godly principles. Because you can't, you, can't, you can't do it the world's way and get God's blessings. Well, I don't think that's necessary. Well, I'll let you take that up with God. But I'm going to tell you this. According to the scripture, here's what Jesus says, because people say, well, Jesus never talked about tithing, but he did. He did. He says, you you ought not leave this undone. You should tithe. But don't forget, grace and mercy goes along with that. Tithe, but don't leave this undone either. Don't just tithe and say, I've done my part. Give mercy away. Because whatever you give away, it's going to come back to you. You want a phone call? Give phone calls away. You want somebody to text you? Give a text away. You want money? Give money away. You want love? Give love away. You want to have friends? Show yourself friendly. 
God wants to do something phenomenal in this church. But without him, we can't. And without us, he won't. It's a partnership. Let's do it together. Can we all stand? You've been so kind. a gentleman. God's not going to beg you. You want somebody to beg you? I'm sorry. God's not going to do it. He wants you to follow him because you love him. Father, take our efforts tonight. Multiply it. Use it for the kingdom. I know this. I know you want to do something incredible among your people not just for this community, but for this entire region, this whole I-10 corridor. Lord, let, let revival fires burn all through Louisiana. Let it start in us. Jesus. Would you just put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and whatever you want, would you pray it away? Father, I pray tonight for favor. Because one day of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. Father, I pray that the gifts that you have placed would be stirred up. Lord, I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl would operate in their gifts, their talents, their calling. Father, I pray that conviction, Lord, would speak to us, stir us, quicken us, oh God. I pray, God, for, Lord, your people, that the favor of the Lord would rest upon them, that the right doors would open and every other door would close. Father, I pray that you would place your people at the right place at the right time. Give them words of wisdom and let them know when to speak and when to be silent. Pray, Father, that we would be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the earth. Your ambassadors, your witnesses, your light and your love for a very dark, wicked and cruel world. Give us all, God, a good night's rest tonight. Help us to rest well. Wake up in the morning refreshed, ready to face the day. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. God bless you.